You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Tonight's show brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on social media. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, first thing first, guys, I hope everybody has enjoyed the Memorial Day weekend. I literally have meat stacked upon meat well up into the esophagus, and I'm good with it. I'm happy with it. Uh, I even Apparently, I've gotten the blue ribbon back from Pete, so uh, after the Easter disaster, apparently I'm back on my feet. My grilling game has uh, blue-chewed it up, so to speak. Pete, what's going on, bud? It's been a couple days. Uh, yeah, I, I look at today as a big step. It, it looked like you're just, you know, taking a bunch of swings in the cage, getting getting back getting back that old swing. Yeah, well, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, whether it's the uh, the ab strain or whatever it is or the core muscle, we're back. We're, we're getting back in the game, and uh, it's good. It's real good, but the only problem is, is, you know, my wife wonders why I'm dozing off at 8 o'clock at night. It's the amount of meat consumption. But I'm not complaining. I'm not, and... Uh, Avery Hopi, back to get to bed soon. Look, Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend or not, we still got about three weeks to finish here in Jersey. Let's get this school over with and get the freaking summer full time. Three weeks. Wow. The youngest graduates June 14th, and final day for both would be June 19th. So we're there. Man. Well, we can't. But when do you people go back? In August. They, yeah, they go back super early, earlier and earlier. Yeah, it's like the second week of August for one of the high schools. See, I could, I'd be okay with that. I, I, I would, um, especially this year. I mean, Pete, this is early for us. <laughs> this is early to be out June nineteenth because we only use one snow day, so we actually got a couple back. But that's yeah. where we are. That's where we are. Yeah, um, I know some high schools that were done last week, and I know, the, and you know, the high school I coach that's done this coming week. Yeah, I mean, I understand with the southern states because, I mean, who the hell wants to be going to school when it's 107? But I, I think he can, you know, probably about north of D.C. He can probably handle it going a little bit later. Um, me, personally, that uh, yeah, I don't see the point of you have to wait till after Labor Day. What's the point? Everybody's done with summer by the end of August anyway. It's not going to snow. You're not going to miss any school. Get those days. Just pound them the freak out. But that is what it is. Um, got some things to get here, too. I'll get to this one first. Obviously, you know, everybody, we're waiting on the Gerald McCoy news. Um, obviously, is scheduled tomorrow uh, visit with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, interesting, Pete. Um, Lamar Jackson, I don't know how this came to pass, and I'll be honest, I'm not really sure what the new offense they're going to try to do. Are you going to base it around two rookie wide receivers and a whole bunch of tight ends and whatever it is, but it just seems weird when your quarterback says in the middle of OTAs, well, you know, we're having a little time here. You know, We're working in and getting used to the new offense we're putting in, and he's acting like it's an absolute complete surprise to him. Um, so I, I saw a lot of people were like really wondering, like, is this I'm wondering if it's like, is it a terminology thing or and maybe he worded it wrong, but it does seem strange that it, it, it came out the way it did. It, that part of it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Um, I, because I can't imagine they're doing, you know, there's only so much you can do. Uh, and you know, terminology is going to be the biggest adjustment overall. It's, there's only so many ways to, you know, uh, do certain things. That's my assumption. But at the same time, you know, I expect they are going to go further into this, 
you know, this 11-on-11 concept with their offense, uh, more of a quarterback-centric in terms of being part of the run and the passing game uh, look, which may ultimately end up being a lot of what he was already doing either last year at Louisville, and it's just a question of doing it uh, in in the, the terms that they're going to use here. I'm more concerned that the dude can't throw the football. Uh, that worries me if I'm the Baltimore Ravens fan and uh, emboldens me as a Browns fan. That is difficult to fix. Like that, you're not going to, you know, show up and the op- you know learning the offense isn't going to fix that. The ball's either going to come out of your hand well or it isn't at this point. Uh, that means he's got significant mechanical developments to make uh, and and adjustments to fix, but. You know, if you're, you know, I, they've got about three months until the regular season, you know, probably about three and a half. That should scare the hell out of you. Uh, that, you know, on the one hand, you're looking at this from a bronze standpoint. Uh, and, you know, it, it's more about timing and, and getting used to new weapons like Odell Beckham and stuff like that. But it's not a question of can Baker Mayfield throw the ball and have it come clean out of his hands. Uh, that was already a question with Lamar Jackson. And, and, and I suppose if he had more inherent credibility as a passer, this wouldn't be as big of a deal. But the fact that he doesn't only serves to underline how big of a question mark this is for him. Well, you know, you are one way on Lamar Jackson. My thing is, is you know, look, you're going to have to find out whether or not he can do it or not. You're going to have to put more on his plate. This What you ran last year, and we talked about this at nauseum, it was, you know, it was at best a 1980s high school offense. You've got to find out now or never. So put more on his plate. Put more throws on his plate. He's either going to prove you wrong and get it done. He's I'm sorry, prove Pete wrong and get it done. Or he's going to prove right in the fact that he's not capable of doing this. And Baltimore, I mean, you know, in maybe not so much in the 20 draft, but in the 21 draft, you're certainly going to have some guys capable there, but if you're Baltimore and it's long term, you got to find out. It's it, you know, it's it's great that he's athletic, and you know the things you can do with it. But it, that already got shot to shit in the playoffs by the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, where they just said, "Fine, we'll take the chubby dudes off the field. We'll put all the athletic guys on the field, and now do this." And it didn't work. Uh, you know, obviously, you know the, he threw later in the game, but that was basically at the point where it was you know nickel and dime, and it was all right. Take what you can get because we've already got this one on ice. And we're headed to New England, where the Chargers season ultimately ended. But it's you've got to find out what you got in the guy. It, it, it's just that plain and simple. And if it's that he's a great athlete, that's fantastic. But he can't play quarterback. That's not going to help you, especially in a division where Ben is still here and can get it done with his arm. Uh, Bengals, whole story for another day. But also, yeah, Baker's here. <laughs> Baker can truly get it done with his arm. So you're gonna have to find a way to beat these teams who have better quarterback play. And you can't go with the you know the smoke in the mirrors, so to speak. Uh, This is another one I want to get to here, Pete. This whole NFL players in 40-yard dashes for people to watch, this may be the dumbest freaking idea, Pete, I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, yeah, it's it's a bad idea on a lot of levels. Uh, first, uh, well, where are the agents? That's the only thing you think right now is where are the agents in this? Like, uh, did anybody consult us? Because no, this is not good. Yeah, that part of that's part of it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the names that are allegedly in it aren't in it by the time it's, they it's going to exactly. It's going to turn into the fifty sixth, fifty seventh man guys on the roster. Nobody's ever heard of by the time this all gets said and done. There are guys that have absolutely no business participating in it relative to the other guys. And 
40 yards makes this really weird. Uh, you know, generally, if you're going to race like that, you know, usually it's a 100-yard dash uh, or something along those lines. But 40 yards makes it so the start is so critical that I don't know if any of these guys are, like, you know, practicing, you know, track starts uh, or if they're going to run out of blocks or any of that stuff. Right. It's, it's, like, it's just a bad idea piled on another bad idea. But, yeah, if you're going to do it, 100 yards makes more sense because if you get that weird start, you're done. Uh, 100 yards at least sort of allows for people to showcase that there's a little bit of juice in there afterwards. But uh, I know this whole thing started with Ted Ginn uh, talking about he's fashion. Anyone, personally, I'd love to see Daryl Green get out there and beat him at nearly 60 years old because uh, I don't doubt that guy can still run a 4-3 somehow. But I, I really don't know who this is for and what the payoff is. Like, I don't know if there is, you know, there's some someone bankrolling this whole thing or if there's a charity involved or what's going on. But, I, you know, none of this seems like a sm- good idea or likely to actually happen like by the end of this i i wouldn't be surprised if it's it's forgotten and nobody and this thing ultimately is just sort of called off uh out of out of lack of interest by the people themselves participating well i mean you know the last thing you need i mean look you have a contract and you know you have an employer and you're gonna go back to your employer and say oh well look we're really sorry but my uh your client my client uh, maybe tore his hamstring off the bone because he got a bad start and he was trying to win a 40-yard dash for nothing, for the sake of absolutely nothing. It's just the dumbest thing. I mean, it's back to the old days of, you know, the quarterback challenge and the skills petition, the skills competition, and they go back to Robert Edwards out of Georgia, the New England Patriots running back, destroying his career by blowing it out by playing, you know, uh, flag football in the sand. Look, if you're an NFL employee and a player, just be happy with that. I mean, you have enough risk as it is. Don't be doing stupid shit like this. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Well, this is like, you know, well, it, it's basically, t- you know, it's like throwing It's like throwing your back out in the home run derby and you miss the next six weeks. Sure. I, I just look at it as sort of like, imagine somebody's broadcasting the pick up games that aren't supposed to be played uh, that that's all this, this feels like to me that's just why i don't think it's gonna happen i wouldn't be surprised if it gets run but uh probably not in the venue that they're doing it in you know this is like you uh like some player will freaking race some jackass in the street outside a club uh and and get picked up by like tmz or something and see it like i didn't michael vick do this like not too long ago or i think d'angelo hall is sort of famous for this uh but yeah just dumb on a lot of levels but at the same time i i I totally understand how this happens uh at least from a thought process standpoint or in the moment but not with several months of preparation for anyone to throw throw their body in the way of it yeah, and you know, and you see some of the names up there, and like some of the guys are fast, some of the guys like it makes no sense whatsoever. And uh, like prime example, Robbie Anderson, who's had you know a good career with the Jets, but a lot of the question is, can you trust him off the field? He's up for a contract extension after this year. No, this is not the thing you need to be involved with, not by any means whatsoever. Play it on the field, go get paid, 
do it that way. Um, as Pete gets us ready to uh, lead us into yet another fantastic Blue Chew read, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Um, drop a five-star, drop a written review, let everybody know how hard we're working. Yeah, we took a couple days off. It was the holiday weekend. I got family, guys. It's the way it works. But iTunes rating reviews, go ahead on over there and drop a five-star, drop a written review for us. Thanks. Look, when it comes to sex or, or grilling or, you know, attending podcast tapings, uh, it's all about consistency. It's, you know, you can get up uh, for a particular performance, but you want to make sure you've got your A game every time. Uh, that you're not worn out by 8 o'clock while you're grilling and, and getting those reps in the cage. You're not uh, too <laughs> worn out to, you know tape podcasts for an audience that's just dying for more episodes. Uh, it's the same thing with Blue Chew. Blue Chew, like the color chew. Uh, Blue Chew is the, the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's good. Uh, and, and, and you can take it any time, day or night, like after a long day of grilling or before you need to take a <laughs> podcast, tape a podcast because you're too tired and, and, and you're not up for it, which is the same thing which will probably happen at some evening in the real future when it comes to Mrs. Lloyd. She's going to be up for it, and, and Mr. Lloyd's going to be too tired if he doesn't have that blue chew. It's all the more reason to invest here. Get it done. If not for, you know, take care of the wife or the girlfriend in the way that uh, she needs to be taken care of. And if you if you are that spouse, uh, make sure he's got the tools to make sure he's got his A game to take care of you. Uh, blue chew, uh, check out the the... Uh, promo code locked on L O C K E D O N and uh, be better than be better than Jeff Lloyd. That's rules of advice that probably should fa- go with you with everything you do is be better than Jeff Lloyd. Um, we got a bunch of listener questions here and we'll thumb through these and some of them are pretty good. Uh, here's one interesting um, guy Schuler and guy I'm not gonna poo poo on your question but uh, as far as return men. We're not that concerned. We would like the points to come elsewhere. But it is a good question. Early, Way too early prediction, Pete, on punts, kicks. Who's returning them? It's a damn good question. And the reason it's a damn good question is because it's all, I think so much of it's going to depend on, on, on Antonio Callaway. If, if, because he should have been doing it last year, basically – but maybe, you know, but maybe it was too much after you know basically two calendar years between playing football. Maybe it was too much to say, "Hey, grow as a receiver," which he didn't do at Florida, and then ask you also to do the things that you were familiar with. Maybe it was just too much, and Jabril wasn't terrible at it. No, Jabril's fine. It's just you know, in terms of who would you rather risk? You know, your rookie fourth round guy who you know granted overperformed relative to his expectations or Jabril Peppers who's your starting strong safety and had like a massive role in the defense in a great season so if you know if 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 Callaway becomes like a really featured dude on offense as he well could uh then he probably won't be back there returning punts and kicks but if they you know if they go with more Higgins more Landry more Njoku and they they don't get Callaway's out there as much as they can. It's a matter of, you know, you've you've got dudes who can do stuff, and it's one of those situations where the more things you can do, uh, at least as far as punt, kick returning is utterly useless. Don't waste your time with it. Uh, just watch it tail out of the back of the end zone and move on. But for punt returning, yeah, it's a big opportunity, and he's got you know his combination of of strength uh, and quickness and, and willingness to sort of fight through contact 
is a huge asset and sort of has he has a similar body type as, as a guy like Josh Cribbs did in terms of he's not a guy who's going to juke a bunch of people like Dante Hallwood or Devin Hesterwood. He is a little bit more of a power guy uh, who's going to go through a few guys on his lane and find it. So, you know, I, I think that's where this thing is heading unless there's some defensive back that's going to make it that I don't see right now. But the problem is, I, I just look at it, is if it's not Callaway, who is it? Is it going to be a guy like Dontrell Hilliard? Is it going to be a, a fifth receiver uh, that, you know, I as far as I can tell, I don't know if any of them are really have returner uh, ability, but are more suited to be a gunner, which is where I sort of end back up with, uh, Callaway. The other guy that I could see do it if he's here is Duke Johnson, uh, and that's just because he's electric in terms of being able to make guys miss. And if you know he's here and they want to use him and they want to find more ways to maximize him and get you know close to the value out of him, he's not overpaid by any stretch. It's just a question of are you going to get enough out of it relative to what you're paying the other guys then punt return is an e- easy way for him to do it. And I don't know how much experience he has with it. Obviously, if you can't feel the punts cleanly and be able to sort of make that first guy miss, it's a waste of time. But that's, you know, he's a guy who excels in space. And that could be a really easy way for him to, you know, fill out his role in addition to what should be a tailback slash receiver guy who moves all over the offensive formation. Um, well, there is. I mean, you, then you still have Odell Beckham. Um, it's something he's done a couple times with the Giants. It's one of those where you would almost like it'd be like a pinch hitter type of role where you think you need a big play or it's late in the game or whatever and things of that nature. And that's things that Odell can bring you. Uh, if you want to, if you had concerns about Callaway actually catching it and you wanted it, was going to be something that was going to be, you know, with the 20 to 10, because if it's after the 10, just let it go. You do have Jarvis. You do have Odell that can just safely catch the ball. I don't think it's a need so much because if everything goes the way it should, you're not too concerned about it. It's more of, you know, who's doing it at the time. And if Hilliard's here, go ahead, take all the kickoffs that you want and make sure you never cross the goal line and we'll take the ball to 25 and let's rock and roll. Uh, Pete, we got one here from our buddy. Uh, guys, we don't know at Sully Football. Good dude. Funny dude. Um, Pete, what's it like to play in the same state as the Juggernaut Bengals and their loaded roster? So, this is this is entirely based off some discussion Sully got into with some Super Bengals Bengals fan who was basically like telling talking about how great the entire roster was. So, this has been Sully doing this for like the past. And well, this is where like we'll week. go. This is where we're all Eskimo brothers. Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill. Sully, who's down in Virginia. Big Juan Thornhill guy, and that son of a bitch got him. Well, they need him right now. Oh, everything. yeah, they do. They they could use a, a shoulder to cry on, and, and you know, Juan Thornhill's got two big broad ones in light of everything that's going on in this offseason for them. Uh, and the one big sort of thing still hanging out there that has not been sort of dealt with, and one wonders if they're just going to sort of wait and hang out and see if it blows over and just sort of move on like nothing happened, which certainly seems like what's going to go down. Uh, yeah, uh, it's surprisingly uh, livable to be in the same state as the Bengals. Um, you know, for all the, the talent they have, they you know haven't beaten the Browns last year, so... I think I'll be all right. I, I, I welcome them to the month of December. 
certainly seems like a great time to have them because I think they're going to be about ready to fall apart at that point, and they are about one major offensive line or one major injury on offense before that thing just freaking circles the drain. They have more talent than maybe uh, last season suggested, but you know their season basically got crushed when Emmanuel Ogba broke uh, Andy Dalton's shoulder or whatever it was, uh, and then. You know they've got a lot of talent in terms of weapons, but they, they and they've invested the offensive line. So there's there's a chance for them to be very frisky. I don't trust the, the linebackers on that defense, and it's a question of how much can they get out of the defensive line. That's not to say the defensive line is not really really talented. It's a question of how long can they go. Carlos Dunlap is a phenomenal player, but uh, is that going to continue? Geno Atkins is a stud. Andrew Billings, when his knees are right, is great. Uh, and they and they they added uh, your boy from Arizona State, uh, Rennell Wren, to sort of help things out there. They've got a fascinating team. It's just they've got some what seem to be some very much fi- uh, fatal flaws that are going to ultimately sell them very short. Yeah, look, it's just it, it's just not in the cards for them, and the fact that you know. Well, I mean, some people, well, they did add a quarterback. Well, in my opinion, they didn't. Um, and, look, you, you you've know what you've got in Andy. Andy is a guy that can maybe get you to the first game in January, but that's it. Just pull the brakes there. Put in this division. Uh, and thanks, Lily. Uh, no, they're not good. And, you know, even if they put together maybe you know some nice draft pieces, this is still the team that gave Bobby Hart $21 million and, for that, and, and by all accounts, it's going to play. They they drafted Jonah Williams, and yeah, think, they didn't move oh, somebody to right tackle. Move 40 they went over to right tackle. No, they not don't. so fast. Yep. We're going to move him to left guard uh, when they have a bunch of really talented guards, including one who never sees the light of day in Christian Westerman, aka RoboCop. But uh, yeah, Bobby Hart making twenty one million, so uh, he'll be out there, and presumably in front of uh, Olivier Vernon. Godspeed. Yes, at Olivia Vernon, when you in, you know enjoy your Pro Bowl trip, make sure you think of the little people such as Bobby Hart, who made it happen. Um, well, obviously, Same guys. Only in America, <laughs> so on and so um, Well, since 99, I can't answer all this, so this is a good one, obviously, for Pete here. From Adam P., if you could replace any 2019 positional group with a post-99 Browns positional group, which would it be? Obviously, no salary cap, any of that involved. Where would you upgrade, Pete, from a unit that's been, you know, 20 years? I'd take the offensive line from 2000 and was that either was that 2000 Batonio's rookie year? I mean, okay, you had Jeff, or you had Joe Thomas, Joel Batonio, Alex, Alex Mack, Mack. Uh, John Greco, and then and Mitchell, Mitchell Schwartz. Schwartz. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty damn nice. So group. yeah, I mean, it's 100 percent that the only the only I'm trying to think if there's another positional group. (laughs) Honestly, if you were going to make an argument for another positional group, it would probably be linebacker, and it was the linebacker group they had when they announced the franchise, and they had uh, Chris Spielman and a couple other dudes, and then Spielman obviously injured his neck before ever playing a down. But that's sort of how bad it's been in terms of uh, the situation, you know, and the other argument you could make would be just last year's secondary. I mean, you, you've taken basically everything you had this year, minus uh, Eric Eric Murray and uh, Greedy Williams, and you're getting back to Bill Peppers for another year, which you'd happily do because he's a stud. It's not to say he wasn't worth the price 
to move over to Beckham, but he's certainly better than than what they have there now. So yeah, offensive line, Betonio's rookie year. So that'd be 2014, 2000, yeah, 2014 season. Yes, which look, I mean, you can't argue that uh, he recommended himself the 20, 2007 O line, but obviously the O line would, would be, be the one. That would be uh, Joe Thomas's rookie year, where you had Joe Thomas, Eric Steinbach. I'm trying to think who this is. It may have been. That's a good question. Uh, then you had uh, the last year of uh, shit. What's his face from the Rams, who was really, really good here and never got enough due. I'm going to look that up. Go ahead. All right. Well, why you do that, sir? Um, we've gotten to this one here. So this one's on food. And, uh, look, guys, I don't travel enough to give you... Uh, Barbecue everywhere. I can tell you what I eat, but look, uh, it, it, meat is good. Meat is good. We'll just go with that. Mike the Mizzou fan. And thanks for that. How many yards will Nick Chubb have racked up by the time Kareem Hunt becomes available in week nine? He was on pace for 1,000 through eight. That's a good question. That's a really good question because the, the only question I have is will there be enough blocking for him to well, do see, it? And also the question be. is is he's going to face the tougher defenses the first eight weeks. The cupcakes will be the last eight weeks. Yeah. Um, that's So I, I, I'll say about – I'll say 800. Uh, uh, you know, is that just rushing or is that total yards? There's no way, so take it the way you choose. Uh, so I'll say I'll say 800 total yards, and the the answer was uh, Ryan Tucker. Ryan Tucker yep, was fantastic okay. for the Browns, and then they had Hank Honeybuns Fraley. Oh, I remember the name. Uh, so yeah, that, so I will take 2014 over that group. Yeah, I think we're safe with that. But, but uh, yeah, they were good. But it it still hits the need. The offensive line group would be the one you'd probably want to address there. Um, for me, yeah, you know, Nick, uh, you're gonna be figuring north of 800. Look, it, it's. If it goes the way it should, and obviously they spread it out, which we know Freddie does, which we know Todd does, as long as they keep the run, the emphasis, which they don't seem to be saying that they're not going to, uh, it should be pretty smooth sailing for Nick. Uh, The carries may be down, but the yardage and the touchdowns should be there. Uh, You know, maybe there could be some late game, you know, late game boasting of some stats and, you know, basically getting fat late. But uh, it's I'm not I'm, I'm not too concerned I'm not too concerned at all. Um, this is also from James Allen. What type of improvement can we expect to see from Baker Mayfield in year two? And this is one that Pete nobody seems to really want to address. Is as good as he was as a rookie is there's going to be you know everybody wants to talk about you know second year sophomore slump or whatever. I don't know if I necessarily see that with Baker, especially with the weapons that are here, but also the fact that you know he had. You know, the Houston game, which, you know, definitely probably is something that aided him. And we talked about, you know, week 17 at Baltimore where, you know, Nick ended up falling short of a 1,000. Baker ended up, you know, throwing three picks and was basically the difference in why they did not get a shot to win that game. And with a guy like him, dude, that, that's what fuels this. Yeah, um, most sophomore slumps are, are fueled by figuring out some flaw that was, you know, did, wasn't taken advantage of as a rookie. For example, let's take a guy like Mitchell Trubisky or Rick Meyer, where they can only throw to one side of the field. And that looks great for the first year. And then after that, they get exploited. I believe Rick Meyer won uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year 
uh, or something like that before his career basically bombed when everybody figured out he could only throw inside the field. Uh, <laughs> and then Mitchell Trubisky is okay, but he's vastly overrated con- compared to what he can actually do. But a lot of these guys, it's exposing flaws that you know were there that you just had to sort of had to take the time, you know, take the time, uh, get, you know, have the chance to sort of game plan and take time to really figure it out. Uh, which is where you could see a guy like Lamar Jackson get into that. I ex- fully expect that with Josh Allen. Uh, but, you know, Jameis Winston was in that type of thing. You know, there's a lot of guys that fit into that. I, I, I'm i sure there's something that's going to be there where somebody's going to figure out something with Baker Mayfield, and it may just be trying to ramp up the pressure on the interior as, as much as humanly possible. But, you know, he was operating at such a high level in terms of understanding what's going on that – you know, people were already sort of trying to do things, which was fool him in coverage, and they had some success with that. Uh, getting him to uh, force things that he didn't need to force, he he would try to make the you know the twenty point throw as opposed to just taking one play at a time. Uh, just getting smarter and sort of understanding what teams are, are throwing at him week to week, and then just avoiding some of the the misses he had. That you know, for all the plays he would make. You know, there, there's. I'm sure there's a real scene, or or made himself of of seeing gimmies he should have had that he didn't get. Uh, you know, an off-target throw that was you know either not caught where it should have been or or missed because he didn't put it where the receiver was expecting or something along those lines, and and holding himself to that that high level. But if you're looking at it from a, a standpoint of his pocket uh, presence, he's fantastic. I suppose he can get a little bit better in terms of understanding from a you know matchups perspective on who what he can get away with and what he can't but you know if you're talking about sophomore slump I, I don't really see what's there and I suppose that's the thing you don't really see it until it happens but uh, everything with him is going to be about doing what he was doing but being more efficient at it so getting eliminating some of the turnover worthy throws getting rid of throws that were turnovers uh you know obviously it was the first half of the Houston Texans yep. and the first half of the Baltimore Ravens are two notable ones and those road games that felt like big games the first halves of those games he had issues uh and forced you know would make one mistake and then double down and make other mistakes when he's trying to make up for the first one and you know Batonio sort of touched on this you know the idea that yep. he had bounce back quarters. I, I I think it was more of a half type thing. Uh, there were a couple halves that were shaky, and then he came back and was dynamite. Obviously, the Houston Texans are a good example. The Baltimore Ravens are another good example where he threw for three hundred plus in both of those games. Uh, that's where he can get better, and and I think will get better. You know the 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 question is. What are teams going to do to adjust to him, and what is he going to do to adjust to the, those adjustments? Uh, I agree with pretty much almost everything there, and you know, Joel made a great point, and it was you know, and he had talked about in the past where oh man, he's gone, and you know, and he talked about Baker. Oh wait, no, 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 no. You know, and he talked about other quarterbacks with Baker. Oh wait, no, 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 he's good, he's back, and he's like, you know, we used to wait a week or two. He's like, and you know, here it was, you know, in the third quarter. Uh, for me, two things come to mind. As fantastic as it is that you're going to have Odell Beckham at your disposal. Don't fall in love with the new toy. Don't fall in love with the new girl in class, the new girl in school. Remember that you have a bunch of other guys around you that are capable and shown it already. So 
don't fall in love with that shiny new toy number 13 and the other thing is if it's not there it's okay it's you know it, it's okay to throw one to mom and pop, mom and pop bakerfield in row 7 if it's not there that's okay not every play has to be a positive don't make it a negative. Uh, you know, just make it to the point where it's you, know, you go to the next play, even if that means punting the ball. Don't try to do everything in one play. And those are the simple things, because I think when you've upgraded him at the skill position the way you have, it should be fairly easy, because he is just that good at manipulating with what's around him and getting the best out of everybody. And, you know, look, there's going to be times where he does those things. He'll fall in love with Odell. There's going to be times where he's going to try to make a play, but... Those are things at the end of the day you'll live with as long as it goes the way you should. And that's why he is, you know, the franchise guy that you have here. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, assuming he's on the field as much as he should be, I'm hoping that Richard Higgins is sort of the the uh, antidote to potentially loving Odell too much because he's just got such a good chemistry with him that, you know, it, it, if it's not there, he's more than willing to – to look back and, and go with the guy that you know they, they those two just crushed last year when they were on the field together and and certainly he's you know got reason to be excited about Callaway and stuff and uh, so I, I that's certainly a worry uh, and a risk I suppose uh, but yeah they've got so many toys that hopefully he feels like he's got to get the ball to all of them. Well, I mean that would be the thing. Like Higgins could be like the woohoo, <laughs> I'm over here, dude. Nobody's on me. Let's just pick up this 13 yards. And we'll go back to the next play. And yeah, the chemistry between those two, it's undeniable. And it's its damn good. Uh, this one here. Uh, how can the Browns achieve a step-on-the-throat mentality? They tend to let teams back in the, into the game. Look, we had talked about this a couple times last year, Pete. And part of the fact when you spend two seasons going 1-31, and, and I guess it started with the first Bengal game, was you know the Bengals got in it with, you know, they put some points up. Look, if you, if you haven't won a game in two years... You have no idea how to handle by being up 20. I do think the mentality and the group of guys and the way they've shaped this defensive line and they've added pieces to the secondary, I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue this year. But again, you know, when you're talking about you know the Browns from where they were all these years to where we think they can be, you know, this may seem like a silly question, but until you know, there's a lot of until you prove you can do these type of things, they're question marks. Right. So there's two pieces to this. There's the tangible part, which is that secondary and that defensive line. They've obviously invested in the secondary and they've invested in the defensive line. So when you're up 14 and they're trying to come back, you kill the quarterback and or he he makes that game losing, you know, the the game clinching interception uh, because of the pressure up front. Either one of those combinations will work. You know, when they tend to let get back guys back in is because they couldn't cover well enough and they you know the the pass rush they had uh which was good wasn't enough or the coverage wasn't forcing them to hold the ball long enough and that stood out with the Bengals game obviously where they just couldn't close and there were just too many open receivers and and screens and all that other crap uh so that's the tangible part of it they've just got more dudes that are geared towards closing the other part is obviously the intangible part which is you know understanding that you are good and and but at the same time having the same mentality of it's not luck you're not in a flow or all this it's 
demanding better, you know, demanding excellence of yourself, sort of, you know, operating like that cold hearted machine that just gets going and you don't want to, you know, you don't turn it off until the game's over. And I think on some level, you know, in, in a couple of those games, they sort of took out their foot off the pedal because they, you know, it, it felt like a little bit of a collegiate atmosphere in some respects that, you know, they, they weren't used to winning, let alone being up by 20, uh, that, you know, you, you sort of got comfortable a little bit and, you know, you let, you, you took that intensity off a little bit. And I think the other part that sort of deals with that is competition and having more of it that there are going to be guys who aren't on the field as much as they think they should be who may get reps in that situation. If the Browns, you know, are fortunate enough to find themselves up 20 uh, and they've got, you know, some different defensive linemen in there, those guys are going to have to bust their ass because in the same level that they're trying to compete and, and get more reps and obviously put up some numbers in that stuff. A lot of these guys like Anthony Zettel or Chris some Smith. of those guys, oh yeah, Chris Smith, uh, are trying to, <laughs> you know, hey, Chris Smith. well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if he's – I'm not 100% sold he's going to make the roster this year. I, I don't definitely don't think he's going to be there next year. But in that sense, you're, you're auditioning for your next job, your next contract. Um, you know, if you're – you are a team it, – it's, you know, the, the Rashard Higgins thing. You're, 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 you signed with the Golden Goose, and you want to take full advantage of that. In that same respect, you know, guys like Zettel and those guys have opportunities to really get some sweet looks – where they've got a ton of talent across and or more situations where not only are they in favorable positions in that they get to come in there and get a ton of reps, but they're also in situations where they're winning and they're not worried about running the ball. They are in there to get the quarterback. And, you know, it's a different deal when defensive linemen, you know, are in a situation where they aren't even thinking run. They're just thinking about how am I going to go kill the quarterback and that competitive nature of, you know, you being able to be cocky and at the same time focused where you, you can talk shit to your teammates and basically, you know, deliver that little bit of an intimidation factor while being right that, you know, which one of us can get to that guy first. Uh, you basically have a bunch of Alvin Max up there, you know, letting the guy know that uh, what's what's about to happen to him. So there's that whole thing. And, and you know, there's going to be a point. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett has obviously talked about this, and, and I'm all for it. The idea that, you know, he was half a, sh- half a sack short of the franchise sack record, which is 14, uh, last year. He intends to crush that. I'm not entirely sure he's not going to be half company on that. Uh, at least, you know, it may not be this year, but at one of those years, there may be two guys on this team that are able to... Dozen you know, or higher. Yeah, so they're going to be competing with each other in that respect, where you're going to have guys like Olivier Vernon or Sheldon Richardson or, you know, hopefully Gerald McCoy basically going, you know, I'm going to get there first. You know, that type of mentality where you're, you know, you, you want to win, but at the same time you sort of feel like you've got this and you're competing against your teammates to see who can get there first. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're no longer competing against, say, the Cincinnati Bengals. You're competing against Miles Garrett or Miles Garrett is competing against expectations or whatever. You have all these things that sort of make it fun uh, that, you know, you're just out there trying to, to, to beat the guy next to you or, or the record book. Well, this already started last year, and it started early in the season last year with Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi before they ended up being, 
you know, you know, ridiculously overused where, you know, they weren't, you know, obviously Miles was able to get to the numbers he could have, but, you know, Larry obviously. Um, but now that there's, you know, Sheldon Richardson, now that there is also Olivier Vernon, it's going to be a personal competition. That's the way it goes. But as far as, far as the question itself, um, you, you want to go between a fine line with ultra-aggressive. So hopefully, and again, Gerald McCoy, this is where he would come in beautifully. You could have a front four where you don't care what's going on behind him. Just let all four of them go and be dogs and go after the quarterback every play and drop your seven. And the key there is, you know, if a guy catches the ball for five yards, only let him get seven. You know, not this, you know, five-yard flare and it turns into 23, 24 yards. And, look, a, a lot of this is, you know, learning how to win and you know, getting used to being a winning franchise. That's the way – all that stuff's going to come into play. And, you know, last year was hard. It, it, nobody was used to it. Nobody was familiar with it. And, you know, we'll see. But that is definitely one thing they're going to have to learn to do is you're going to have to learn to close out games and just, you know, put the hammer to the nail. And But this is over. And, you know, just basically make your – opposition submit and you know basically choke them out to that speak uh grip six belts uh thank you for the sponsorship here of locked on browns uh obviously brought to you today by grip six they are literally their goal is to literally be the best belt that has ever made grip six is an easy thoughtful gift for dads brothers husbands uncles grandpas and even moms and wives and aunts and then they do have a women's collection now Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the belt, uh, the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for all of you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. It's a nice gift, guys. Uh, you know, It's not something everybody always needs, but it is something that somebody always needs. I'm sorry, that wants something that somebody always needs. Grip six belts. Check it out. All right, Pete. Seeing the weekend that was, obviously Memorial Day weekend, full disposal to you, Pete. You're at the cookout. There's a little bit of everything. The plate is only so much. What's your dream plate? What are you filling it with, Pete? Well, uh in that scenario i go all meat no filler yeah. uh, I, if the potato salad is left later i'll go back and grab a couple spoonsfuls <laughs> like you know if it's you know i'm more than happy to grab you know burgers and dogs and all that stuff but i'm going for the the showpiece you know whatever you know if it's if it's you know chicken if it's ribs if it's you know whatever Basically, the 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 thing that has been had the most care put into it, uh, you know, when it, when it, especially you know barbecue season, that's that's where it's at. Uh, so yeah, I, I I will go for that barbecue every time. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you know, a dog here and there while you're waiting for the main thing to come out, or a cheeseburger, you know, small ones or whatever. I, to be fair, that is exactly how I think of this, which is basically that burgers and dogs are essentially, in that scenario, appetizers are, are my hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, yes, <laughs> as opposed to yeah, it's it's basically, uh, you know, when when we have our our football picnic, I, I will I, I will put a hurting on it, and and I've had people keep score, uh, which. It's, I suppose, equal parts pride and shame. Uh, but, yeah, I just crush whatever's been cooking on the grill. Uh, well, for me, look, you know, look, the meat is always the essential part. Uh, beef, ribs, whatever, uh, you know, London broil, steaks, whatever it is. Yes, the meat is always the first part. Uh, for me, when you get to the 
sides and things of that nature. Um, baked beans is good. Potato salad's good. A good macaroni salad. Coleslaw. Pete, they can throw that shit in the river. That's terrible. Right. It's <laughs> look. You have to think about what coleslaw actually is, and then try to defend it. It is. Crappy vegetables that you don't normally like. They throw it in a bag and say, throw some dressing on it, and we'll call it. Well, not only, <laughs> but first it's put through basically a paper shredder, and then it's just put in with whatever, if it's, you know, mayonnaise, Miracle Whip, or, or whatever, or some kind of dressing, or whatever, whatever you throw in there. Basically, like, at, you put all of this through a colander, and you eat what is left. Now I I I will I can live with the people who use that as a condiment, like that's fine. But if you're telling me no no, I would like to have coleslaw and that's like my thing. That that to me is where you lose me. If you want to throw that on a burger, if you want to throw that on some sort of you know sandwich or whatever, I, you know you're fine. But the idea that like that's your thing, come on, that's that's. You know that that's what you you feed like herd animals. Uh, um, that I'll tell you right now the the guinea pigs that my daughter has. Um, we actually buy the bagged coleslaw and yes, guess what? We don't put the dressing on it. We don't make it fancy. Um, we take the remnants out of that bag and that's what goes to the guinea pigs. Uh, if it's done right, it looks nice on a plate. I'm still not going to touch it. If you want it for the represent tation look of it yeah that's fantastic uh no no by any means whatsoever it is colorful your your carrots lettuce and and you know whether it's some sort of uh onion that has purple in it or whatever it looks very colorful none of it makes it taste any better or makes it any more interesting to me no not good not good at all pete look it's been a few days uh anything we haven't gotten to anything we've missed i mean it is memorial day weekend anything yes Oh. We the thing we have missed is look. I am with people 100 percent on the idea that if you can get Gerald McCoy, that this this thing needs a nickname. But the names I've seen thrown out, they're bad. Let's let's look. Let's all commit to demanding better of ourselves. If you are telling me you want me to call these things the Dorseman, the apocalypse, that that. You have to explain that to anyone. You have to explain that to your immediate family members what that is before anyone. Nobody's going to say that. That's idiotic. Like, come on. Or, you know, hellhounds. I get it, but it's pretty generic. It's Look, commit to do better. There's a name out there. I don't know what it is. I, I'm, I'm with I'm with everyone in, in surging. But don't settle for... You know the crap I've seen thrown out there, and, and I and I admire Joe Thomas for for trying to spearhead this thing and and, and throw together a poll. But the the lakefront is I would say passable, but I think there's something else to add to that. Or if it's Great Lakes, if it's something else, I'm not seeing. I've seen a lot of ideas thrown out there, uh, but I have not seen that one that's going to stick and be meaningful. But you, you, you have to try to incorporate the region somehow, and I would expand that to Great Lakes. Because I don't think anybody can claim ownership of that, so I, I have more power to you on that one, or Lake Erie or whatever. But when you go to something like Dorse, you're going way too specific. Like when you get to Steel Curtain or Purple People Eaters or you know the Fearsome Foursome, or, there's nothing complicated to explain about that. 
Dorsman is so stupidly specific. Like if John Dorsey is not here in two years or whatever, even if he is, that's just terrible. Either Horseman or move on. The, the, just don't. It, it be as stupid as trying to call this defensive line the Hugh World Order. Just don't. It's terrible. It's tacky. Do 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 something a little bit more universal. Uh, yeah, and that's look. I mean, there are people who are better at this than I, and it's great that Joe Thomas wants to make this a thing. Because Pete, I tried to do this last September. I did. I tried to do this last September. But the thing is, is be catchy with it and and be good with it. The interesting thing that nobody's talked about with all of this is Joe Thomas based this whole tweet off of Gerald McCoy being part of the defensive line, which seemed very, very interesting as when he put out the tweet, Gerald McCoy was already on a plane going back to Florida. Uh, Okay, so look, we can get into the tinfoil conspiracy from that angle. I honestly thought it was basically just one last little sales pitch thing. Uh, of basically saying, look, this is you know, this is what he you're, this knows is what you're. things that we don't. He does. He may he leak does. them out to people. And, 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 and I will tell you right now, if a certain person is the first one to say that Gerald McCoy is going to sign with the Browns, we'll know that Joe Thomas is a leak. <laughs> and this was oh, the same true. person about the 2021 draft. That's true. So, full disclosure, I've been sort of uh, you know shot, you know, sort of working on this. Every so often, I'll, I'll take take some thought process into trying to figure out names for this to the extent I've looked into anagrams of their first initial and last initial. Nothing really there. But, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 I am committed on this part of it. But, yeah, that's, that's part of the reason I'm also very uh, annoyed at how tacky and weak some of these names are. But, yes. Because you're not bringing in the, 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 the guys that they are. I mean, there's – like when we started – when I remember when we talked about this last, you know, last September, it was like you almost had to make like it somewhat nerdish. But they're like the biggest badass nerds that ever lived. Yeah, I mean it could be, you know, Men's Apocalypse or something like that. I don't know. There's something out there. There's something to be found. And it may honest, ultimately come from them. Uh, they may figure it out themselves. And just make the money and trademark it themselves, which well, would be yeah, smart. I mean, yeah. Go for it, guys. God, God mean, bless you. You know, if, if, if you know, there's some reference that they have for it or, or Freddie Kitchens comes up with something, you know, better than, than uh, – Well, D-Hell. D-Hell. You know, that, 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 you know, that's terrible. But, um, yeah, so – Let's let's all aim a little higher. Uh, that you're going to be able to proud to tell your grandkids about about seeing this this group and not Dorsman. I I, I really hope that Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi are sitting there going, "The hell we want to be called a Dorsman for." But the other thing though is is the Horseman was four. This is going to be five, six, seven. I, I'm at no less than six. If you get Gerald. Well, well, that's Gerald, and then it's Gerard Avery, and you yep. got to you got to do better than just the four. So, like uh, our our resident ad ad guy was calling him the dirty half dozen or whatever, which wasn't terrible. Uh, you know, honoring the roots of Jim Brown and all that. So there, there's something. There's something out there. Come on, you t-shirt people. There's a million of you. Somebody get on it. And let's go get something creative here. Um. With that, we're going to put a bow on this. Um, we've got some fun stuff coming in the next couple of days. I've seen OP will be around. Uh, Samantha Bundle is going to come back again here. Uh, we actually had her by request, and she's 
contact me. She said, well, if I've been requested, Jeff, I can't turn that down. And I don't think we've talked with Samantha well, since. I don't know when this was scheduled, but she's turned it south on the Indians in a hurry. So she, she, she may have found some time she didn't expect she was going to have at this point with her um, – Less, less than, less than a high level of interest in what's going on with the Indians, and I can't blame her. It's going about as well as it is for the Mets or the Nationals. Uh, I actually caught a little bit of this afternoon, and it started off like a, you know, a firecracker, and it fizzled out like somebody showed up with the uh, fire hose um, and stuff. And guys, and, and like I get it. Trust me. If anybody understands a team that plays small market when they shouldn't, trust me. I get it, guys. I truly do, because that is the New York Mets. To a T, but Pete, here we are at Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day, 500. There's still 500, so I'm around. They bought me for a yet another week, so we got that going for us, which is nice. Degrom Kershaw going on currently, one one, top of the second. Uh, guys, Pete's work over Browns Maven. Uh, check it out. Follow Browns Maven. Uh, follow Pete at underscore uh, underscore Pete Smith underscore. Check out everything over there. He's you know finding a way to incorporate a bunch of Brown stuff and a bunch of national stuff all in everything over there. So go ahead, check it out. Uh, he's constantly updating over there and putting good stuff up, you know, pieces up over there. So make sure you continue to follow over there. The Locked On Browns Twitter account. Uh, we always keep it follow back. It's been a great way here. Obviously, you know, you know, enjoyed a little bit of the weekend here. Um, we'll do everything we can here, you know, to do and continuously to put out content, which a lot of other pods aren't doing right now. That's okay. Uh, but anything needs to be reported on, we will certainly be there for you. Uh, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, go ahead, throw a follow over there. If you guys haven't checked it out, the Philly Sports Table podcast I joined there today, and they're strictly Philly sports, but you know this is how big the Browns have become. They asked me to come on today, and I spoke with my buddy Jeff Warren you know, about the Browns and everything going on. And look, it's hard to hide the excitement, and you guys shouldn't. And you know, this is being excited about the season is the most you guys have had in a long, long time. So embrace it. Love the living freaking daylights out of it. Uh, and then when it starts to play, we'll see how the chips may fall, but chips should fall pretty good, guys. Um, and with that, we're going to put a bow on this. Uh, it's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, like I said, we'll be with you going out through the week. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.